200 years ago, a young French linguist had a major eureka moment. In 1822, suddenly everything made sense for Jean-Francois Champollion as he cracked a code which had bamboozled scholars for years. Through his hard work, the mysterious symbols chipped into stone by ancient Egyptians finally had meaning. Hello and welcome to France in Focus. This week, we are diving into the past for a special anniversary. On the bicentenary of the deciphering of hieroglyphics, we've come to the mountain town of Vif, to the south of Grenoble. It was here where Jean-Francois Champollion spent a lot of time studying at his older brother's home. And that house is now a museum. Caroline Dugan, thank you so much for talking uh, to uh, France 24. You are the creator here at the uh, Champollion Museum in Vif. I want to start by asking you, um, we know that um, Champollion grew up surrounded by books, but where did his, his love of languages, of, of learning, of all things Egypt actually stem from? Um, I know that his, his older brother played quite an important role in that. That's right. This passion for ancient languages and antiquity was shared by the two Champollion brothers, Jean-Francois, but also his older brother, who we see here, Jacques-Joseph. This is his house. In fact, very early on, little Jean-Francois discovered Middle Eastern languages in his brother's library. When he was 10, he asked to study Hebrew in addition to Latin and Greek, two years later, Arabic and Aramaic, and then when he was 14, the Coptic language, which was crucial in understanding hieroglyphics. And in 1805, he developed a passion for ancient Egypt, fueled by the work his older brother was doing with Joseph Fourier, who was a member of Napoleon's Egyptian expedition. Is it fair to say that the Napoleonic expeditions played uh, quite a key role in this discovery as well? Because culturally speaking, it was down to those discoveries that Champollion had some base material to work with. Absolutely. The Champollion brothers grew up at a time when the Egyptian expedition had had a profound influence. It was a military expedition, but also a scientific one. 167 scientists and scholars collected a mass of incredible information about ancient Egypt that made Western Europe rediscover the region. And Champollion based his work on elements discovered on the expedition, notably the famous Rosetta Stone. I can tell you more in the room dedicated to deciphering hieroglyphics. In this room, we can see all of the materials that Champollion used in his deciphering work. Now, in the early decades of the 19th century, there was a huge debate raging, wasn't there, about Egyptology and about hieroglyphics? Yes, you could say that the discovery of the Rosetta Stone in 1799 relaunched the race to decipher hieroglyphics. A number of scholars were working on the inscription, but Champollion was the first to move beyond a division that was important at the time. The big question being asked was, are hieroglyphics symbolic or phonetic? Do the signs represent an idea or a sound in an alphabet? And it was Champollion who, by studying the Dendera Zodiac and the Rosetta Stone, showed that hieroglyphic writing is both phonetic and symbolic. 
And there's also um, a British angle to this whole story because there's an Englishman called Thomas Young who played quite an important role in Champollion's discovery. Of course, we can't forget to note that Champollion's work was based on centuries of research and the fundamental work of his predecessors, including Thomas Young. He considerably enriched our understanding of hieroglyphics and demotic script. But more work was needed to fully understand the system of how the writing functioned. Now, the all-important key date in this whole story is the 14th of September, 1822. Just what happened on that day? That's the display that's right behind you. It shows the day, according to biographer Hermine Hartleben, when Champollion found the key to the hieroglyphic system. He ran to his brother and cried, I've done it, a sort of eureka. And then he fell into a coma for several days. And it was his older brother who, while the younger one rested, put together his notes and wrote the famous letter to Mr. Dessier that would be presented before the Academy of Inscriptions and Literature dedicated to the discovery. And a little further on, we have the desk on which Champollion deciphered the hieroglyphics. Okay, Caroline Dugan, thank you very much for talking to France 24. Thank you. Merci à vous. Now, to help you understand a little better what Jean-François Champollion actually achieved and the role that the Rosetta Stone played in that discovery, we've put together this next report. It all began in 1799 with the discovery of the Rosetta Stone, an artifact from the 2nd century BC. Engraved on it, a decree by King Ptolemy V. In hieroglyphics, in Demotic, a simplified version of ancient Egyptian, and in Greek. Experts finally had the key to decode the hieroglyphics by comparing the three texts. Drawing on theories of the scholars Jean-Jacques Barthélemy and Thomas Young, it was Jean-François Champollion who linked the Greek letters to their phonetic transcription in hieroglyphics. This allowed him to identify the names Ptolemy and Cleopatra. But his method didn't work on Egyptian names. Consulting other, older documents, he suspected that hieroglyphics were also ideograms, symbols representing an idea or a sound that can be combined to form words. Champollion then decoded his first Egyptian name in hieroglyphics, composed of three symbols. The first represents the sun, the sound Ra, the name of the god of the sun. The second sign refers to birth, which is pronounced Misi in the Coptic language. The last sign corresponds to the S found in Ptolemies, already identified on the Rosetta Stone. Together, they spell out the name Ramesses. For the first time in a millennium and a half, an Egyptian word in hieroglyphics had been deciphered. But it would take Champollion years of painstaking study and a trip to Egypt in 1828 before he was able to read an entire text. Five years after Champollion made his historic discovery, the Louvre here in Paris opened four rooms dedicated to Egyptian art and artifacts. 
We've come to this royal residence turned mammoth museum to find out more about how Egyptology was born and the mark that Champollion left on this institution. Karine Madrigal, thank you so much for talking to us here on France 24. It's a pleasure. Now, you're an Egyptologist, and in the later years of his life, Jean-Francois Champollion and the Louvre had a very special relationship. Just how did that relationship actually come about? After the hieroglyphics were deciphered in 1822, Champollion went to Italy for two years. During his trip, he discovered a very important collection, which belonged to Henry Salt, the British consul in Egypt. Champollion sent multiple letters to his brother, explaining that the collection absolutely had to be purchased by the French government. Champollion was later named the curator of the Egyptian antiquities in the Louvre, the first person to hold that title. Now, Champollion was responsible for looking after these new Egyptian rooms at the Louvre. How did he go about curating them and what was he keen for the general public to see and to, to understand? He had a very specific idea about how he was going to set up the rooms. He didn't want to exhibit these objects in simple cabinets of curiosities. He wanted to make it more educational, to teach the general population about the civilization. Two rooms were dedicated to funeral rituals, one room for everything about civilian life, one room about gods. It was all organized by theme. On top of that, each work was numbered. Visitors would receive a little pamphlet with details about each artifact. It was a game-changer at the time, and he learned all this from his work in Italy. Now, if we go further back in time to the time of the ancient Egyptians, how often did they write on monuments, on objects, on papyrus and so on? Ancient Egypt was a civilization of written words. They used to write everything down. We have records of grocery lists, laundry lists, literature, poems, accounting documents. It's great for us because it gives us a lot of information about the Egyptian civilization, how it operated, how people lived, not just how the kings lived, but really the daily lives of everyone. Jean-François Champollion didn't actually go to Egypt until much later on in his life. Why did he wait so long to go on this voyage and what did he actually make of it once he got there? He didn't travel to Egypt until 1828, probably due to financial reasons. He spent 17 months there with a dozen other people. His goal was to establish whether his deciphering method actually worked. In 1829, he wrote a letter to Monsieur Dacier to tell him that his method did work. He said, My system works. I'm in Egypt and I can read everything that's written on the monuments. Okay, Karine Madrigal, thank you so much for coming to talk to us here on France 24. Thank you so much. Je vous en prie. Now, four years after Champollion died, crowds gathered here in central Paris at the Place de la Concorde for the inauguration of this granite obelisk. It was a gift from Egypt to France for our codebreakers' hard work. We're ending this edition of France in Focus in the Monument Shadow. Thanks for watching and do stay tuned to France 24.